What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Quantum Internet Edition. Beep, 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 beep. I was compelled to do some sci-fi computer sound effects there. I apologize. Beep, boop, beep, 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 boop. Um, how are you, uh, Matt and Gabby? I'm a little slow this morning, as you can possibly tell. I'm coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, beautiful Boulder, Colorado, but where it is uh, very early in the morning, two hours earlier. Than All right. Evening. And lack of oxygen probably doesn't help either. Lack of oxygen and uh lack of caffeine so we're working on we can work on the caffeine part mm. well you can work on the other one with a scuba tank yeah <laughs> just on the mountainside <laughs> that's true you see people walking around the street with a scuba tank yeah, that's yeah. i did see at the airport there was an ad for portable oxygen just pick, up, pick up some portable oxygen and now i understand why at first i thought what a crazy thing um now i understand uh, I have noticed one thing that the, you know, I love visiting different places and you see that there's different, obviously different kinds of people, different styles of dress or outfit or whatever, different customs. And the uniform in Boulder appears to be the uh, cyclists uniforms or everybody's yeah, wearing, yeah. what do you call those suits? They're not wetsuits. They look like wetsuits. You know, the super tight outfit the cyclists wear and the tiny, it's a baseball hat but it's sort of extra tight and small. Oh, it's, yeah. I've seen this. I have no idea what they're called. No. Cycling hat, yeah, and kind of an extra large brim. Um, and being super fit. So I fit none of these. I'm really fish out of water here. Uh, Matt, how are you? How's 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 my um, Teaching a summer class, so struggling through. But, you know, students are showing up, so can't complain. Nice. What makes it a, what, what's the struggling part? What's difficult about that? Uh, the struggle is that um, summer terms are shorter. So we're in the classroom for uh, big chunks of time. Um, and right uh, it's not easy to pay attention for three and a half hours at a go, multiple times a week. I, I would dare say, having been in your classes, that it is, it's not hard to pay attention to you. If well, I had I to mean, pay attention to something. The electric shocks help. But <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Gabby, how, how are you? How's your New York summer going? I'm good. I haven't had too much of a summer lately. I swear every time this time of year, my life gets insanely busy because um, <laughs> we're trying to uh, sprint to submit a grant at the beginning of next month. Uh -huh. um, so I'm basically just like the postdocs I'm working with tasked me with like gather all of this data that we want to have before the grant. Um, and it's kind of funny. My schedule looks a little ridiculous because I actually had to write. I had to download, print out a calendar to write in physically what I need to do each day because I just couldn't keep it straight. I was like, things wow. are going to go really, really wrong unless I actually explicitly write this because each experiment takes like a week or something like that. So it's, if I messed up one of the days, starting back over is uh, annoying. Oh man, that's great. That's like a video game. You have to go back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah I would have failed the level. Except at the end, we don't get the grant and then a lot of people would have been really pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, well that's the boss level. The boss level is a grant. That's true. Is actually uh, your boss. <laughs> how long does it take to get, once you submit, I'm always curious, how long do you have to wait till you find out whether you succeed? It's a while because they don't convene the actual, like, grant reviewers mm -hmm. for a bit. Yeah. I think it's at least, like, six to eight months before you hear uh, anything. Agony. That sounds about right. Yeah. Agony. Agony. Um, well, good luck with that. Good luck with the, the chase there. Um, and that is Matt Stanley from New York University and Gabby uh, Panicia from uh, Rockefeller University. And again, I'm, I'm out at Boulder where I've been visiting the Southwest Research Institute, which is a, a kind of name. Not many people know that name, although the things they have done, uh, you are familiar with, including going to Pluto, um, the Southwest Research Institute run by Alan Stern is the group that uh, works with uh, the Applied Physics Lab, actually, at Johns Hopkins and NASA that ran the mission to Pluto 
as there's a lot of fun people out here I'm kind of working on it, developing a documentary about some of the stuff they do. And uh, among them, I got to meet Kirby Runyon, our uh, frequent um. guest. And um, if you remember, Kirby was on the show recently. And by the way, you can go to whattheif.com, listen to our previous episodes. And Kirby was on our show recently, and he was talking about his zero-G flights in which he, uh, they, these, where they go in the so-called vomit comet, uh, now called G-Force 1. They decided to get a more appetizing yeah, it's name. not quite as interesting a name. Yeah. Right, <laughs> but where they simulate zero gravity by flying in a plane. And um, he was showing me the experiment they had on board where they, what they had, their experiment had been the one, the plane would go into zero-G mode, um, in this gigantic box that they had built, they would, uh, they had a tray. It was a little, um, cupcake tray for like a baking tray that was full of sand, different colored sand. And they would toss the sand into the air and watch it as it in zero gravity, you know, kind of flew in an arc and then kind of hit the bottom quote, bottom surface of the thing to simulate what would craters be like on different they weren't going for zero G they were going for different levels of gravity. So they simulated what would, um, the ejecta from an asteroid hitting the surface of the moon look like in this so mm -hmm. the powder flying and they used one color for moon dust and then another color for Mars dust. So they not only got to flew oh, in nice. different gravities, but different, yeah, not in zero gravity, but in multiple gravities. He's like, yeah, I've been to the moon this many times. I've been to Mars. This many times. <laughs> Amazing. So I got to watch them vacuuming out all the sand in a storage locker <laughs> yeah, in Boulder, right. Colorado. The glamour. glamour. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to see, yeah, that's real science. I got to see real science in action. So super fun. Uh, a lot of these guys are also uh, experienced in flying in high performance jets as part of their experiments. Um, and they are abuzz with the movie Maverick. No. <laughs> the Tom they love it. They love it. They say it's much better than the original and highly as accurate as those kind of movies get. So wow. right. I was not excited before. I'm excited to see it in IMAX. Um, but totally unrelated. Let's get to our if today. I have no good segues. Um, and so this was based on an article. Matt, can you tell us a little bit, what, what's the context of this? I had, I had seen an article in the New York Times, as I am wont to do. And uh, what was it about? Um, so there's a phenomena that we commonly call quantum teleportation, and it's not actually a very good um, name. Um, but it's based on what Einstein called spooky action at a distance, in which <laughs> particles can interact with each other um, at effectively unlimited distances, effectively instantaneously. Um, and this, uh, this is a, a property formally called quantum entanglement. Um, and it's been used for various interesting things. Uh, and some folks have, um, uh, come up with a new application for it, uh, that will, um, uh, I don't know, open up some, some new, some new possibilities and some new, uh, some new areas for, for yeah. applying this, this weird thing. Indeed. So let me, I'll read, just read a little excerpt here from the New York Times. Um, this was from May 25th, and by the article, the article is by uh, the great science writer, Cade Metz. I love his stories. Um, and so the headline is, quant, quote, quantum internet. It's in scare quotes. Well, I don't know. If it's only one quote, like the little apostrophe instead of the full quote, maybe that's not Still scary. scary. Yep. Still scary? Okay. Yeah. Scary. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky quotes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Spooky action at a distance quotes. Quantum internet. End quote. Inches closer with advance in data teleportation. Scientists have improved their ability to send quantum information across distant computers and have taken another step toward the network of the future. And I'll just read a tiny bit here. Uh, from Santa Barbara, California to Haifei, China, scientists are developing a new kind of computer that will make today's machines look like toys, says Kate. Uh, harnessing the mysterious powers of quantum mechanics, the technology will perform tasks in minutes that even supercomputers cannot complete in thousands of years. So when you think your computer is taking thousands of years to boot up, imagine a quantum, you know, the quantum computers, they're going to, no matter what outrageously fast speed they achieve, we will complain about them. I can get Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did this took it took a three nanoseconds to boot up? 
uh, back to back to the story. In the fall of <laughs> in the fall of 2019, Google unveiled an experimental quantum computer, showing this was possible. Two years later, a lab in China did much the same. But quantum computing will not reach its potential without help from another technological breakthrough. Call it a quantum internet, a computer network that can send quantum information between distant machines. And here's the last little bit I'll read. At the Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands, a team of physicists has taken a significant step toward this computer networking of the future, using a technique called quantum teleportation to send data across three physical locations. Previously, this was possible only with two. So our if this week, I think it's just it, right. Matt would say it's fairly straightforward. It's what if this works? Is that basically? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, what the if? The quantum internet comes to your home. I used to. I had an expression. I used to say the the internet travels at light speed to your face. Uh, well, that's pretty accurate, actually. If you're looking at a <laughs> that's, screen, that's right. That's right. The quantum internet, Matt. Everyone, everyone, right now listening and listening to this podcast has used the internet to to access it. And so, what world we are now living in a future where it's a totally different internet? What what's going on? So, there's two different things going on here in the article that they're conflating a little bit. Um, and I haven't read the original article, so I'm not sure how much that's the fault of the scientists or how much the fault of the Times. Um, there are there's the quantum teleportation in which information is is sent instantaneously in this this spooky manner, um, and then there's uh, quantum computing, in which a different weird quantum property called superposition is used to make certain kinds of calculations go very fast. Um, so this article references both of those things. And you could make, it, it might be that they are doing both, but I suspect actually it's probably just one. <laughs> oh. and, and somebody just did some cut and paste from their stock article on, on quantum computers. Um, so, uh, so let's stick to the, um, the, the networking part, the, the transmission of information. So, um, the instant, inst seemingly instantaneous transmission. Right. Yeah. So the, the essence of a computer network is, um, sending information from one computer to another. Okay. Um, and there's lots of ways to do that. Um, so you can, you know, the, the most basic old kind is you take an electrical cable, you know, made of copper and stick it into one end of one computer and stick the other end into a different computer. Um, and then an electrical signal, a little pulse of electrons travels along that wire. Um, and that conveys one bit of information. Uh, like that, and that, that travels, what's that? That's sort of like, that, that reminds, it makes me feel like that's the... The internet example, the internet equivalent of the cup connected with two strings. Yep, it's precisely yeah. the same, right? It's, it's um, if you want to get information from one place to another, uh, you need to figure out something that can carry that information, um, and hopefully in some kind of speedy manner. So um, electrons travel pretty fast, and you know, you've every time you turn on the light switch in your bedroom. Um, the electrons have to travel from place to place. So the fact that you've never noticed a delay gives you a sense of how fast electrons move, right? Um, but uh, as the internet gets got bigger, um, we want to, we start wanting to transfer information not across a room, um, but across say a thousand miles or ten thousand miles, um, and the speed of electrons gets a little slowish. Uh, at those speeds, uh, at those vast distances. Um, and also we want to, these days we want to transfer a lot more information than we used to. So like yeah. in the old days, you might want to, a, a, a big, so let's say when I was working in a lab, um, the, a large amount of information to transfer from one computer to another might have been 100K. Oh. Um, and, you know, that's a fraction of a text message today. Right. So the, the, the unit of transferring information was the, the floppy disk, um, if you remember the old floppy disks. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out that it was often faster to 
um, put the information on a disk and then carry the disk down the hall than it was to transfer it on the network. Um, And we used to call that sneaker net. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I used to be that at uh, when I worked at ABC, sometimes ABC News, even Mm -hmm. in the early, early days, we would sometimes have to, we would be on the air and we had to get something from one place to another. And uh, we would give it to an intern and they would run a, you know, have to sneaker net it down to the other place. And we always Mm -hmm. said if they tripped, the show would go off the air. The the, the connection was broken. It's funny. I think we do still have sneaker net. I've seen it in action, but it's not for, you know, a floppy disk with, you know, 100K of data. It's um, like a multi-terabyte drive full of data that you're like, all right, I'm just going to go plug this into a different computer. Yeah, that's right. It's still effective sometimes. So, for instance, um, you know, that fantastic image of the black hole that was produced a couple of years ago is um, thousands of terabytes. So when they needed to get the information uh, from the the observatories in South America up to Cambridge so it could be processed, it turned out it would have taken years to transfer on the network. So they just bought like five first class seats and loaded them yeah. up with hard drives. Um, yeah. and flew I, I would say actually, you know, we're working in the video industry, um, I still, this is still a daily issue. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. let's say I'm filming stuff here. I'm not gonna bother um, I would love to send it to my assistant editor, for instance, just by emailing him the video files. But there's, yeah. you know, okay. so huge. Um, We're just not going to. I'm going to carry the SD cards home. But. So this is these are these are important things to remember. Actually, is that um, what uh, what counts as an effective transmission of information is not always obvious, right? So it depends right. what you're transmitting and what context. And you know, do you need it fast or do you need a lot? Right. Um, and humans will always fill their, you know, fill their. That's right. Whatever, 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 whatever capacity you give them. <laughs> that. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, electrical uh, transmission also has uh, a bandwidth problem. Um, mm. And so bandwidth is how much information you can spend, uh, you can send at the same amount, at the same time. Um, so what, there's one consideration is speed how fast you can spend, you can send one bit. Um, but also the question is how many bits you can send at the same time. Um, and it turns out that for, let's see, what's the best way to think about this? Um, electrons interact with each other too. Um, so if you try to send too many of them at the same time, they kind of get in each other's way. Um, and that's inconvenient. So the one solution to that is to make your copper cable as wide as possible, sort of to give room to the electrons. Um, but that gets uh, super expensive and super heavy really fast. So by the eh, 70s or 80s, um, it becomes clear that um, the, the amount of information we want to be sending around the world is too much for, for copper cables. So that's um, why people start developing fiber optics mm-hmm. in which the information is transmitted not by a pulse of electrons, but by a pulse of light. Um, and that has two serious uh, advantages. Um, one is that uh, photons don't get in each other's way the way oh. electrons do. So you can get all enormously more bandwidth um, the second is that pulses travel much faster. Pulses of light travel much faster than pulses of electricity. Now, not quite the speed of light because fiber optics slow it down slightly, but still extremely fast. So nowadays, most of the um, information you you get via the internet is going to be transmitted by uh, cables. Because um, kind of the photons, this is, we don't have to go down so deep into this, mm-hmm. but kind of like the photons can pass through each other. Uh, that's yeah, That's exactly the right way to think about it. There, there's kind yeah. of two general kinds of stuff in the universe. Um, one kind of stuff you can't stack. Um, so that's the stuff you're made of. Um, and some stuff you can stack, and that's photons and, and similar things. Um, so you can stack as many photons as you want in your pocket. Um, Very much like a Minecraft inventory. Oh, that's totally yeah. a good way to think about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you yeah. can do that. Um, and uh, as opposed to like, and then, you know, the electrons are like the old legend of Zelda inventory, in which you had <laughs> yeah. you know, four slots. And if you wanted another one, you had to drop something you already had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, that's, so our modern internet civilization is largely based on fiber optics um, because it's fast and efficient. Um, there's downsides to fiber optics too, but we don't need to get into them um, too much. 
Um, uh, but generally, they're they're superior to copper cables in every way. Um, I guess I, I I tell these this story to get, <laughs> in the sense that as as you say, we always want faster connections and yep. the ability to transfer more information um, as as fast as we can. Um, so. Uh, if there's any clue out there to something that can go faster, uh, we're interested in it. So this is where the, the quantum internet comes in. Um, so I guess this is the time to talk about um, entanglement or quantum teleportation or Einstein's mm -hmm. spooky action mm -hmm. at a distance. Right. Um, so there's uh, a, a, a weird phenomena in which you can make two quantum entities like electrons or neutrinos or something um, entangled, meaning that their state is dependent uh, on each other. Um, so uh, one way to, to think about this is um, if, uh, let's see here, if Gabby and I are ice skating, do I remember right that you're an ice skater? Gabby, or have I hallucinated yeah, I, that? Okay, yeah. No, 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 that's all right. <laughs> um, Not still, but used to, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's say we're ice skating um, in the dark. Okay. Uh, which is generally not a good idea, and wow. I kind of recommend it for safety reasons. Um, <laughs> and Philip is watching from outside the, uh, the ice skating rink. Uh, Gabby and I push off from each other, um, uh, and I come shooting out of the rink, um, but Gabby remains inside. Um, <sighs> Philip watches me and makes a measurement of how fast I'm going and in what direction as I, as I come out. Um, and by making that measurement, he can then infer how fast Gabby is moving, even though um, he is not directly observing her. Right. Um, because so, she must be going the opposite of you. Anyway, that's right. Yeah. So you can say that the, the momentum is conserved between the two of us. So even though you're not directly measuring her, you are confident in what her state is. Right. 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 Um, so uh, quantum entanglement is kind of like that with subatomic particles. Um, but it's, it's somehow even stronger because of quantum weirdness. Um, while we're both still in the dark of the uh, ice skating rink, neither of us have a definite momentum. And in fact, as I, as I shoot out of the, um, of the ice skating rink, if you just don't look at me, I still don't have any definite momentum. Um, and nor does Gabby. So we exist in this weird quantum state where we say our quantum wave function is not, not yet collapsed. <laughs> so we are going all possible velocities um, in all <laughs> possible directions at that time. Yeah. Um, and this is the, and then the, the strange thing that happens is that as soon as you measure me, it's not just that you know how fast Gabby is moving, but I suddenly have a speed because you have measured me, and she suddenly has a speed as well. So we're actually changing her state. Okay. Right. Um, and if we arrange it right, um, we will. she and I can have the same state. Um, and there's a, a weird quantum rule, which is that uh, things with the same properties are indistinguishable. Uh, so we can actually say they are the same thing. So there's an important sense in which I have teleported to Gabby's location. Or I you have, have also become you. That's right. You have become me is another way to think about it. Yeah. Um, not, not just that the information about your speed and direction has been teleported, but that... So this is where it gets a little hazy, right? Um, there's a sense in which we are nothing but our information about our states. There, there's no deeper existence to an electron other than a statement about what its charge and direction and movement is. Um, so if we make it the case that when I measure the electron in location A, uh, as, as, as the convention goes, we say Alice measures her electron here um, right, right. and it has a certain property and then the electron uh, that bob is waiting by will suddenly change state as well we can say that in in particular circumstances the electron has uh, teleported from a to b instantaneously right. um, and it's not a star trek teleporter kind of thing where the electron vanishes from point e a and reappears at point b but rather all the important things about electron a are suddenly present at electron b so we say that it teleported 
Actually, like that, this to, is actually to, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say to stay on target with the internet thing mm-hmm. isn't what's inter- what's important. There is that the information, even if we, if we go all, if, we, if we step away from the philosophical aspect for a moment, mm-hmm. and I go back to you shooting out of the uh, ice rink, and so now I can measure your momentum. I, I I can say okay, this Matt is going in this direction at this speed. Therefore, Gabby is going in the opposite direction at the same speed, right? I know that yes. mm-hmm. instantly, um, meaning that inform- if Gabby was carrying information, I got it instantly. Yeah, I, I didn't right. have to wait mm-hmm. for, I didn't have to wait for a sneaker net or that's a copper exactly cable right. or, or a, a pulse fiber. of light. You're right. Nothing travels right. between me and Gabby. Nonetheless, information has been, tra- has been transferred. Um, right. And this is what Einstein thought was totally unacceptable. Um, because this violates the the first premise of relativity, which is that nothing can go faster than the speed of light, um, and you can easily violate this this speed uh, limit with with quantum entanglement. Right. Um, so usually, if only because it's not actually moving. That's exactly right. Is yeah. instead, it's this: we're actually changing the the fundamental property of the thing by measuring it. Um, and this is what the this is this strange property is what the Schrodinger's cat um, uh, thought experiment is, is supposed to be about, and where the, the the cat is both dead and alive until it is looked at, um, and then instantly changes once you look at it. Um, and what we're doing here is we're 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 taking the different elements of the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment and spreading them out over over space. Um, so the strangeness is not just that um, the the quantum properties are superimposed, um, uh, but that they're changing uh, in, a, in a linked way over unacceptably large distances, according to Einstein. So if, we, if, we, if I jump to an internet thing and then start to work backwards, mm-hmm. I, sure. I want to download, um, let's say Gabby is in um, uh, China and I'm in New York and I'm in the United States and I want to download Gabby has just shot a video of her visiting uh, the, uh, the Great Wall, mm-hmm. and it's a huge, huge video. I mean, right? It's shot at 4K on her phone, and so it's a massive <laughs> file that would they could even at our current fast internet speeds, it could still take 20 minutes or something. Like that. Mm-hmm. And I need it faster. I, I want it faster than that because um, I want to be able to watch it while I'm still having lunch. And um, so, will this? allow would this allow me to instantly have that yes but movie? you'll have to have done some prep work um ah. because we have to entangle you and gabby ahead of time um ah. or specifically entangle your your phones right um so to entangle two things you have to put them in physical contact with each other and have them interact okay. and then you so uh, before so she leaves mm-hmm. we we right. meet mm-hmm. and yep. you uh, tap your phones on each other and, okay. Right. And they are now entangled. Right. Um, and uh, not, actually, a, a weird feature of this is neither you can look at your phone until <laughs> you want to actually transfer the info. So hopefully you brought a book or something. Not only that, the phones flight. can't interact with anything else in the yep, universe. Yeah, that's right. And this is, and this is why uh, this is a tricky thing to do. As it turns out, right. it's hard to prevent things from interacting with other it's things. It's a delicate state that the entanglement yeah. is very delicate. Right. So, so. Um, so for instance, in this, so if we're talking um, thousands of miles, that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's a new kind of thing. So for instance, the, the experiment described in the article, they transmitted it, I think, 60 feet or something like that. It was within the same building. Wow. Interesting. Um, so uh, just, just to continue yeah. the vision here, just real quick. So in other words, mm-hmm. we meet, we tap our phones. Some, somehow we, there's a lot of hand-waving going on here, right? Mm-hmm. But somehow we entangle our phones. And then we put each phone in an electrostatic silver bag or something, you know, at a, an entanglement-free whatever. Some sort of protection, right, yeah. around both mm-hmm. phones. And Gabby flies to China, and I stay in New York. And, yeah. and Gabby goes to the Great Wall and films her video. So she pulls it out of the thing and films or video. Now, her phone is still entangled, quantumly entangled with my phone in New York, and therefore they are connected in some very mysterious way where mm-hmm. what she films instantly shows up on my uh, yep. On your screen. Yep, that's right. Right, right. Um, 
Uh, so it's kind of no a, zoom glitching, no, you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's right. There's zero lag. Um, right. it is. And then I should say, if you want to do this again, you've got to go and tangle your phones again. Um, oh, okay. So what we, what we would probably need to do is set up some kind of, a um, our, our, our internet network needs to have a constant stream of entangled, electrons shooting out from some location uh -huh. um, out to the different parts of the network there right, uh, right. so that we can constantly do that. So it's actually kind of, there's actually kind of a, a weird thing going on is you still have to wait for the entangled particles to get to the two destinations. And then once right. they get there, you can get instantaneous oh. communication between the two. So already um, I see, and again, there's a there's hand, hand waving going on here because it's complex, mm -hmm. but, um, one big difference is that whereas nowadays, you know, Gabby can use the electrons coming out of the wall socket in her hotel in Beijing, and I can use the electrons coming out, but to, to fuel my phone and to power the internet and all that kind of stuff, it does, mm -hmm. and all kinds of different electrons, it doesn't matter. But the information because of our network is able to go from one place to another. Here, what you're saying is to make this thing work, we need shared electrons need to be provided to everybody yeah, magically right. entangled it's mm -hmm. really almost a harry potter-esque well as as situation. einstein says it's spooky yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. geistlich in, in german right? ghost-like oh, um, oh. oh interesting uh, mm -hmm. yeah. i also feel like it's probably worth mentioning too you know in this experiment it wasn't just two computers it wasn't just you know my phone and phil's phone they actually did this with three um yeah. so they sort of had this neat I'm just thinking of like the transitive property kind of thing where, you know, they had two, the first two electrons entangled A and B. Um, and then they entangled the second two B and C. So then when A sent information to B, that information was also simultaneously given to C because essentially all electrons in the chain were made. I don't want to say contiguous with each other, but identical to each other. Yeah. That's right. um, um, not just, that's not just identical, but, but literally merged, literally existing together in mm -hmm. some sort of state so that mm -hmm. anything that happens to one of them happens to the other instantly. Yeah, that's right. And this, um, this flags bizarre. an important thing about um, the internet as, as an entity um, is that it's not just two networked computers. Um, it is lots of computers all talking to each other. Um, so it's actually... you it's very hard to have the internet with just <laughs> one signal back and forth. Um, right. You need to be able to have multiple computers all updating with each other um, so that, uh, you know, we're all watching the same cat video on YouTube. Um, <laughs> that's right. And that's, that's actually the, the, sh the same essence. Schrodinger's cat video. Schrodinger's Thank cat you. Video. <laughs> Which, the Schrodinger's cat video is a little depressing, frankly. It's a little um, disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was, that, that was the original thinking behind the internet as a thing was having this multiply redundant system um, in which there was not just one central thing that everybody depended on, um, but rather that all the computers um, were interacting with each other in important ways. Um, so if we want to have a quantum internet like this, um, we have to, this was the, the critical step of, of right. having three computers talking to each other. And then from there, it's the sky's the limit. So it seems to me that one way to define this whole thing is really is the secret ingredient of the quantum internet is these entangled electrons. The entangled yes. electrons have to be created in some very special, delicate process and sent out, right? And then mm -hmm. now we can even put aside, let's say, let's say, okay, you understand if that's at all possible. Yeah, I understand that these two things, what, there's all kinds of weird philosophical implications. What does it mean that these two separate electrons, which, which are entangled, existence whatever the what does it mean about them we don't know but we can say here's the deal anything that happens to one of them also happens to the other or the opposite happens to the other right instantly 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 meaning let's really blow this out i let's say i was just doing this thing about pluto the the uh one thing that the guys who uh, men and women who run the pluto mission struggle with tremendously is their craft had to be incredibly autonomous 
and have all kinds of safeguards built in because there is no way for us on earth to communicate directly in real time mm -hmm. with the, it takes, I believe nine hours for, uh, data to, for, you know, for information, for electrons yeah. or photons, I don't know, photons, what, <laughs> case, yeah. photons to mm -hmm. travel from Pluto to here. Whereas if, if the satellite that New Horizons that went to Pluto, if it had been in, filled with entangled electrons, we sent it from Earth with electrons that were entangled and we had the other set of the entangled electrons, we literally could, we could literally watch through the cameras. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And that's, I think that's really the application of this, this technology is because like our internet is so fast here just with fiber optics here on Earth that this is not going to be very important. Um, but now we can have a solar system-wide internet and someday cool. an interstellar internet, right? This is how you would have faster-than-light communication. Um, so that would solve, yeah, lots of problems with, with space exploration, is being able to have instantaneous communication. And um, I would dare say that, as, as we were saying at the very, very beginning of the show, um, I wouldn't say that our internet is so fast. I mean, it's fast compared to earlier iterations of it, but it's mm -hmm. not yet fast enough to carry the amount of information you would like to have for, you know, true, imagine, as we would like to simulate the brain, right? And our computers still are not fast enough to do that. And the amount mm -hmm. of information you need to be processing, we, we are always in, as you guys do, you know, Gabby, in science, especially with biological models. Um, even Kirby was telling me about I was like, why do you need to fly in a plane? I mean, as fun as it is, why do you need to go in a plane with a bunch of dust and throw it? Can't you run a computer simulation of how the dust travels when a crater hits the moon? And he said, no, <laughs> the computers are not powerful enough and we don't even understand the math well enough. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, any, any model you have, you have to feed it real data. So mm -hmm. yeah, you can't really model gr different gravities particularly well if you've never actually you've known never what actually, actually happened right. to them. That on it. Yeah. Um, but I guess... That also gets to the difference between like speed and bandwidth, right? Like we right. have have very huh. fast internet, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's capable of transmitting the volume of information we want to put on it. That's why websites crash, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but one of the, the the sort of neat things also that I think stands out to me, in addition to just you know faster what have you, uh, and also the really cool thing of being able to you know communicate with satellites no matter how far out they get beyond solar system what have you, is that you know in, your inf information can't be intercepted. So essentially, when you send this information, there's no computer along the way that has to pass it on. It is, it is instantly at its destination at the simultaneous moment that it's on your computer. Mm -hmm. And you can also use this to send information without necessarily sending the full picture. So essentially, if you're trying to run some sort of simulation, what have you, the computer that you're running it on has to know you know, maybe the server or what have you that's actually running the thing has to kind of know what question you're trying to answer. It has to have a bigger picture of what you're looking at. But with quantum entanglement, you don't really need to give it that. Um, so you can have a quantum computer crunching your information without ever sending, without that computer really knowing what you're doing. Like using a Google server, they know exactly what you're doing. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly what you, what, what do you mean exactly about the idea of not knowing, not knowing the question? What's an so example? Essentially like, it, it's like a log of like, say you're on the internet, there's cookies. Like, you know, like other, com there's a record of what you've been doing, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but with quantum computing, you don't need to leave the same record, basically. Um, and and you can you, tell if someone's been looking at your record is one of the, the, the critical things here. Um, and that's currently the application of this this tech, actually, is people, because it's it's so hard to transmit a single bit of information um, with quantum teleportation that it's it's pointless. Um, but you but if you do if if you do transmit um, things in, in a quantum fashion, you can tell if someone has been peeking at your transmission. So that's very helpful if you're doing things like sending encoded information. Right. So um, let's say it's a it's a yeah. it's a spy satellite we send to Pluto. We need. I've been watching The Expanse, by the way. Fantastic. Oh, as, as all right-thinking people do. Yeah. Oh my God, it is. It is. I, I must say, for those, and I've spoken to a couple other people who had the same experience I did, which is the first season, even into the second season, it's good, but I wasn't like super, super grabbed by it. Um, but I kept. I've now. I got into the third season, and man, it really kicks in. And you 
So I'm now up to season six and it's phenomenal. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Um, they take on, it's the most hard science, it's the best hard science, I think, sci-fi show I think I've ever seen. It's incredible. It's a great book uh, too. Mm -hmm. Series yeah. is yeah, awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so let's say that the, um, there are two, you know, there's, there's enemies in this story. It's a space opera, as you can imagine. So uh, the UN, uh, the Earth, Earth has sent a, um, uh, a spy satellite to Pluto where there uh, are some colonists, some belters. So the, the enemy faction uh, has, a, has a base on Pluto, whatever. And so the Earth has sent a spy satellite. Now they want to be able to watch, or I'm sorry, easier, easier thing. There, uh, Earth has sent a colony to Pluto, and they want to be able to communicate back and forth from Pluto to Earth without the Martians or the other uh, enemies knowing what they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. um, what you're saying is with this, with this entangled electron system, this quantum internet, not only would they be able to communicate instantaneously with Pluto, which is astounding, instead of waiting, they could literally have real-time conversations um, rather than waiting nine hours or 18 hours to get, you know, to have conversations back and forth, right, between messages. They could have real-time com communications. And if anyone else intercepts these photons of information that are traveling between Pluto and Earth uh, to try to listen in, instantly the whole connection is broken. Is that correct? There's no photons. Hmm. Right. Is the thing, right? Oh, right. There's nothing, tra of course, there's nothing. Tra yeah, so essentially <laughs> nothing, air quotes, is, is traveling Look, back and forth. Nothing is traveling them. back and forth. Okay. So this I is, just um, got, gra I grabbed into the spooky action at distance. I know I grasp. Uh, yeah, so there's lots of cool features that come along with this kind of um, communication. Um, and I should say, if, um, if you want a more in-depth discussion of how this works, um, the introduction to friend of the podcast's books, uh, Dave Kaiser's book, um, How the Hippies Saved Physics, discusses this in, in wonderful detail. And I should also say Dave was um, a guest on our podcast a couple years ago now, yeah, um, yep. talking yep. about uh, quantum teleportation and entanglement too, if you want a, right. a deeper dive. Right. So are you talking about remote, the, re, what they called remote viewing? Is that no, no, this or, is or the... Is um, uh, the uh, uh, encoding and decoding applications of, of this. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but the idea that nothing is traveling in between these two things, that, mm -hmm. that is, I, I don't know, for some reason that just clicked with me, Gary, <laughs> the whole thing. It's like, wow. Yeah. That and that's totally why, and that's why it was so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That's why it was so unsettling to Einstein, um, is that it's just, it seemed inconceivable that, information can get from place to place without a thing traveling. Right. And it does kind of break our, our minds right. a little bit because as people, the entirety of our existence has been essentially very place to place. We don't operate on this sort of mm -hmm. weird mental scale where nothing's actually moving, but things are inherently changing properties and ways that are dependent on each other. Like you can't really map that in physical space. Right. Um, and we tend to sort of process things that way. You send a letter, you send an email, it actually has to physically yeah. go to a place. There's time delay involved, what have you. This is just, boom, the, electron, the electrons have changed. It's yeah. Yeah. And in fact, there are, aren't there, I believe, Matt, if I'm sure I understand this correctly, but uh, we use, there are entangled protons that come to us from the other side of the universe. They mm -hmm. come to us, they're so far away, they are essentially coming to us from the earliest, some of the earliest structures in the earliest stars in the universe, whatever, um, they know that uh, electrons can be, or photons can be sent out and they, they're entangled photons that somehow get separated and come to us from opposite sides of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and they are entangled and we use that somehow to measure things. Uh, but, the, but the philosophical implication mm -hmm. is that we can break that connection. What does that mean to break a connection among photons that <laughs> that started well, their I journey mean, we, billions we, of years ago. We break the connection by by measuring them and looking at them, um, ah. and then they're not entangled anymore. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's useful for testing certain theories about the nature of the the early universe. 
um, again, this is Dave Kaiser's big project. Um, uh, and kind of the, the astounding thing is, is if you think about how hard, how, how hard it is to maintain entanglement over 60 feet um, in the lab for, for this experiment, um, Dave and his friends have managed to figure out how to find entangled photons that have traveled 13 billion light years. Um, yeah. So that's a pretty clever project. That was through natural processes. They through natural entangled. processes, yeah. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, somehow. Um, so let's just end here. And I think this has to, this is, this is an open question. This opens yet, yet another door to a vast room uh, that's so vast we can't see all the other walls. But um, again, considering the expanse, um, you have this bizarre situation where information can travel. What does it mean to be able to communicate instantaneously with Pluto, which is, quote, nine hours distant, meaning that when we travel through space, time is changing, you know, as we approach light speed, right? This Einstein's whole thing, the time, mm -hmm. the space-time effects are profound. Um, what, in other words, if, if this, this old example, of if the sun were to disappear, we wouldn't know it for eight minutes because it takes information eight minutes, light eight minutes to travel to us from the sun. The sun is eight light minutes away. Mm -hmm. But if we had a uh, a quantumly entangled satellite orbiting very close to the sun, as we do, the Parker Solar Probe, right. we would know instantly the sun just turned off for some reason. And yet it hasn't actually happened as far as we're concerned for eight minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is very much like what you said. You, if you've seen the expanse or what have you, there's plenty of times in it where they're operating on different time scales from each other. Yeah. For example, the ships yeah, that are right. already in a breaking burn can see other ships accelerating towards them, but they know that yeah. by the time, like the the time scale of like that ship is so 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 far away, it's going to take them a couple of hours to be able to do anything to yeah. move into a position where they're going to be able to attack or what have you. Um, so I feel like it's just kind of like, you know, already in space because, you know, you have such vast differences. It's kind of different if you'd actually be able to talk to them also at that same time. You can see them right. doing something. You're kind of just waiting like, hey, hey, buddy, I see what you're doing. All right. It's going to take uh, another two hours before you're going to be able to actually hit me. Just mm -hmm. trash talking for two hours or something like <laughs> right. that. Right. Like It doesn't actually change the physical time delay between stuff like that, but it... It just kind of shortens well, the the spectrum of communication, the, the delaying communication. If there's if there's a planet orbiting a star five, uh, if there's a planet orbiting a star ten thousand light years from Earth, they are seeing the beginnings of our civilization. So the time there was Angor, or let's say we go three thousand light years away, and there they have a telescope pointed at the Earth. They are watching Stonehenge being built, right? Mm -hmm. If we had a quantum entangled radio <laughs> on the Earth and on that star 3,000 light years away, uh, at that time... They'd be watching ancient civilization but talking to modern humans. Or whatever what, age it is that we have the radio. Yeah. What time period does the radio exist in? Well, it's so totally... this is where yeah, this is where we start needing relativity to, to sort out these sorts of things, is, is coordinating right. different time frames like that. Um, uh, and the beauty of um, quantum communication is we can we can avoid some of those problems. Um, and I'd say in the expanse, the, the protomolecule uh, does have some kind of quantum entanglement properties that they never directly specify. But you get a uh, lot of yeah. faster than light um, communication there uh, with uh, the protomolecule stuff. Right, right. Even for instance, there's there's a, I haven't gotten this far into the series yet, so these questions may get answered. But but the parts I'm watching now is the main character um, has a hologram of another character appears in his mind. Mm -hmm. Miller, right? Um, the, the computer, the, the technological processing power to be able to project a hologram into an, somebody's mind must be tremendously vast and must be using some kind of quantum. Well, and actually, uh, that is, actually, I can't remember if they talk about it in the series or just in the books, um, yeah. but the difference that, that Gabby pointed out before between um, processing power and ability to transmit information is an important feature of the protomolecule technology too. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Matt, basically in the Netherlands, they are, what have they achieved? 
they have achieved step one to a galactic internet um, with zero lag. Um, Touche. And, uh, yeah. Touche. Um, so the waffles will, will be fantastic on mm -hmm. simultaneous, yes. simultaneously on the eastern and western arms of the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, well, thank you for that. This has been a trip, <laughs> a real trip. Uh, Matt, do you have any, after all that, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Do you have any quantum? Uh, no, events? not much happening for the rest of the summer for me. No. That's it. Nothing happening, neither at a spooky action at a distance or up close. No, just general spookiness. Yeah. <laughs> Gabby, how about you? Yeah, same thing. My spooky, spookiness is only localized to myself. <laughs> local <laughs> spooky local actions that's very good um well we will be back next week as always um thank you to all our patreon members by the way um we uh i haven't put it up yet but i, I will do shortly uh at the end of last week's episode we're not doing it this week but last week we recorded a special bonus um conversation just for patreon members and that will be going up on our patreon page patreon.com slash what the if thank you to all our members and uh we continue to gather new members so please go there and just check it out you don't have to join There's no commitment patreon.com slash what the if you can find out what happens if you become a member um instantaneously well at least as fast as the as the current internet can transmit information and as fast as the postal service can get you a hoodie or a mug or a sticker mm, right. <laughs> or things like that um, and you can also contact us there. You can have fun. I, I, I hope to do a, we're gonna have to, hope to do a streaming event or some kind of other additional uh, meetups with our uh, Patreon members in the not too distant future. So that'll be fun. Um, and uh, that's I'm sending you cheers from uh, Boulder. Next week I'll be back in New York. Um, so thank you, Matt. Thank you, Gabby. Um, Gabby, what has what terrors has this what, yeah, set up our closing ritual here uh, for all our listeners who've just had their minds blown by the quantum internet? Yeah, you know, as we find all of our electrons suddenly entangled and then ourselves shot clear across the universe to experience whatever things that may collapse our wave function, uh, we cannot help but shout the name of the show in awe and terror. What? what Thank you all to all our listeners on Pluto and everywhere in the solar system and the galaxy beyond. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>